Students at Florida College start their morning with chapel every weekday. Join us now for Daily Chapel from Florida College. Can you see me in the back? I'm sorry, I've always, I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> I've reached that point in my life, my age, I think, that uh, whenever I'm speaking to a large group of people, I wonder if this is the last opportunity I'm ever going to get to speak to you. Uh, I haven't got to the point yet where I don't buy bananas unless they're already ripe. But I know the end is near, and so I ponder, what can I tell them? What can I tell them that they need to know? What have I learned in 50 years, almost 50 years of being a Christian, 31 years of doing the Missouri camp, Missouri camp, and 23 years of being a shepherd in the church? What have I learned that I can share with you, and hopefully you can use, because in addition to always, all of that, I also do some counseling of people, people in unhappy marriages, people who are single moms and those kinds of things. A couple of times I've actually told young women, do not marry this person that you're in love with. Well, I've, told, well, I've thought about telling more than that, but I told two of them and they actually followed my advice and then ended up with really great people. So... What can I leave with you? God, I believe, wants you to be happy. Wants you to be happy in your marriage. He gave us the marriage institution to complete us, to make us whole. And he also, in his word, has given us everything we need to have successful marriages and have happy marriages. So what I'm going to show you this morning or talk to you this morning about in the next two days is... Six things that we need to demand in the person that we think we're going to marry. Six important things that we need to demand. And not marry them if it's not there. And these are six things that you're probably not thinking about because, after all, you're in love. Somebody used to say, it wasn't me, I can't give credit to it to the person, but he said, people in love should be, never be allowed to make important decisions. <laughs> All right, so in order to talk about the number one thing, which I think is the most important, I need to back up a little bit and say, is your goal in your life to go to heaven? Do you live your life every day to keep living in such a way that it will be pleasing to God and you're preparing yourself to spend eternity with him. Is that true of you? That should be your number one goal. Should be your number one goal. And I wonder if it is. And there's all kinds of little things you can find in the scripture. Little phrases that just encompass all of that stuff about pleasing God and hoping to spend eternity with him. Ecclesiastes says the conclusion is to fear God and keep his commandments. In Revelation, John tells us, be faithful unto death and, and you will receive a crown of life. In Romans, Paul urged the Roman brethren to present their bodies living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God. In Galatians 2, Paul gives us a perfect example in his own 
life. He says, it's no longer Paul that lives, but Christ lives in me. And Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And those are things that we all ought to be living for. That ought to be our goal. And I'm going to assume for purposes of my talk this morning that that is your goal. And I want to move on to the second part. Marriage is the oldest of all human uh, relationships. Was ordained in the garden, sanctioned by Jesus, intended to be for life without question. Romans the seventh chapter And Malachi tells us that God hates divorce. Jesus says in Matthew 19, the only grounds for divorce in which you will be able to marry somebody else is if your spouse was unfaithful to you. And if that's not the case, there's no do-overs. You marry somebody for life. I read somewhere that the purpose of life is companionship, or purpose of marriage is companionship, productivity, and then the fulfillment of the physical desires of the flesh, which can only be fulfilled in the marriage relationship. So if you take those two things together, I want to go to heaven more than anything. That is my life's goal. And then we talk about marriage. Because when God saw that man was alone, he said, that's not good. Everything else he created was good, but that was not good. And so he gave him a wife. The scriptures talk about a helper suitable, suitable, a help meet, somebody who's going to complete him, somebody that's going to be his companion, somebody that's going to make him whole, a partnership, the two working together. Now, if you take that golden life and you put it together with what the purpose of marriage is to complete somebody, then the number one goal that you should look for in a spouse is to find somebody that's going to help you get to heaven. Somebody that's going to help you be faithful. Somebody's going to correct you when you need to be corrected and encourage you when you're down. It's It's very similar to what we get from our congregations. I know I'm supposed to be looking at a time, but there's a light right in my face, so I can't see the clock, which is not a good thing for you or me. (laughs) So I'm going to keep my eye on my watch. All right, so if you stop and think about it, the church, I tell the the church back home, I'm going to help you get to heaven, and I want you to help me get to heaven. And that's something that your spouse should do. Because after all, being married to somebody who's not going to help you in your most important goal in life is not a very good thing. Genesis 3 and verse 6, it says, Eve partook of the fruit of that one tree and then gave it to her husband. So the two were guilty. 1 Kings 11 and verse 4, it talks about Solomon with his 700 wives and 300 concubines. And it says that as a result of that, Solomon's heart was turned from God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32, he says, if you're single, you can devote your whole life to God. But if you marry, you're going to have additional responsibilities, other distractions. And if you have children, you're going to have additional responsibilities. 
So the point is, if it's going to be more difficult, more distractions, or those kinds of things, then you've got to really make sure that you pick the right spouse, somebody who's going to help you get to heaven. So that's the number one thing. They're not going to help you get to heaven. You don't want to be bound together with them. I have no idea what that thing says. Can you see it? 1047. What's that? 1047. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know when I started either because I couldn't see that. All right, so the, the other thing, and I may not get all the way through this one. The second thing you need to do is you need to marry somebody that's spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. Paul told Timothy that if a man desires the office of, the, of an elder, he, he desires a good thing. Spiritually minded, somebody who's preparing themselves to be a Christian for life, both the husband and the wife. And uh, certainly I understand that you are attracted to that person because of physical attractiveness, but you need to look at what their priorities are. What are their priorities? And I'll talk more about that one and then go on to the next one tomorrow. And maybe we can figure out a way how to turn the spotlights off so I can read the clock. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be with these young people, that you would direct them through your word, Father. We pray that they would seek your word and, and seek the wisdom that's contained therein about all that you want us to do to be pleasing in your sight. Be with us, Father, and help us to help, us to help each other on our road to, through this life, and our road to heaven. All these blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's try not to do this too fast. Father of
thank you for joining us for Daily Chapel from Florida College. Have a blessed day.